I'm placing less and less credence in a lot of those sources now. Once upon a time, um, yeah, Twitter was fantastic for that news feed, for being right at the sharp pointy end. Most of New Zealand's print media would be out of business if it wasn't for Twitter and Reddit. And that Whereas now there's just it. so much deliberate misinformation or accidentally amplified deliberate mm. misinformation. Mm. And, mm. and I think the, the value of those platforms is just going backwards. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today we have Brett Roberts joining again. Good to see you, Brett. It's good to see you again. Thank you for having me. Now, maybe you can remind listeners where you fit into this big wide <laughs> world of tech uh, remind these myself. days. So I'm a business innovation advisor at Callahan Innovation, I've been in the tech world in New Zealand for decades, a number of decades. And um, <laughs> just prior to this role, I was the community director for the KiwiSAS initiative. So I was on secondment there. I've just stepped back into my job at Kelly in the last couple of weeks. Oh, fantastic. That's yeah. good. Big thank you, of course, to our show partners, uh, to 1NZ, 2 Degrees, Spark, HP, and Guerrilla Technology uh, for their support of the New Zealand Tech Podcast and, of course, the broader uh, tech and innovation ecosystems here in New Zealand. Well, a fair bit to cover off today, so uh, so let let's yes. jump in. Um, yeah, first up, we've we've got the uh, the the election results. Um, it's, it's it was interesting, sort of you know watching through the whole um, you know, election process, and you know we, I guess, are, are in a situation now where sort of social media and elections is is old hat. Um, but you know we we we've seen varying things go on overseas in terms of election sort of manipulation and so on I'm I'm not sure these things maybe uh, matter so much on a on a global stage for uh, New Zealand to get uh, too much interference um, you know we, we do see you know on the varying platform bots and 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 bits and pieces but um, you know it, it, it seemed as though uh, you know really you know all the parties had had Put a fair bit of you know, time and effort into into their social media in in, in different ways. Uh, certainly, uh, some candidates were were a lot more down that that track yep. uh, than than others, and there was a bit of coverage uh, around what National invested and and did in the in the media, sort of you know post uh, post election and really suggesting that that they had had. Uh, I guess a lot more engagement than uh, than than the than the other players. Um, other sorts of things that sort of you know caught my attention was just you know how how you know TV now we're getting this sort of more augmented reality type sort of sets and and it all looking you know looking very cool yep. and and fancy with uh, with with some of the coverage, but uh, didn't really see a, a huge amount that was you know, exciting in terms of. Yeah, election promises and and things as far as the the, the tech sector. <laughs> Any thoughts from from your end, Brett? I spent more time watching Netflix than I did the election on Saturday night. Um, which, you are a uh, smart man. <laughs> I know. Actually, it was a good call. It was a good call. <laughs> yeah. I, sp- speaking as a government employee, right? So I have to <laughs> yeah, care yeah. what I say. But I I struggled to find a lot of inspiration in um, in the campaign phase, campaigning phase. There seemed to be a lot of uh, there's always negativity. Most of it, to me, seemed to be quite negative. I didn't really see a lot of stuff that um, kind of 
inspired me for the future. I, the way I've got three kids all in their twenties, and um, you know, I was thinking for me, I was voting, I'm voting for their future, right? And 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 that was there was no clear cut, obvious kind of um, pathway for that, right? Um, so I think the lack of inspiration I thought was um, a bit disappointing. Um, and I've anyone that knows me well, particularly anyone that knows me and has talked to me over a wine or three, I often bang on around New Zealand really lacking vision, and I, I still I stand by that. I, I don't think anyone, you know, probably since Norm Kirk, to be perfectly honest, has ever really had a vision for what New Zealand might be, and it's pretty hard as someone that spends a lot of time and has spent a lot of time over the years working with companies around strategy and you know mission and what they're trying to do and why and all that sort of thing. It's pretty hard to run a business without everyone in the organisation knowing why they're there and what they're supposed to do, yeah, um, yeah. what the future looks like to, to you know stick a bit of hope to and that sort of thing. So I think yeah, I struggled with that. Um, yeah, the tech was pretty impressive. Uh, it's interesting. I think we crossed a threshold over the last three years of government where with the last election, I spent a lot of time on Twitter seeing what was being said. And now Twitter's just a dumpster fire, right, or X, whatever the heck it is. And and I really spent hardly any time looking at the stuff that was on there. There was some good, there was some good stuff in there, mm. but it's a lot harder now to sort the wheat from the chaff, which I which I thought was interesting. So I think X slash Twitter, X Twitter has has turned something of a corner there. Yeah, I've seen a few people, yeah, definitely a few people sort of saying that, and then other people are like, oh, it's got it's got better. So yeah. I'm I'm not quite sure, um, no, it's a train you know, wreck. how how much it, re- <laughs> it relates to. Who you follow, you know what hmm. view you're taking, and, oh, and and so on. I think you know probably to a to a big big degree, the the majority of people end up sort of taking the default you know view because you can limit yep. it to just to your you know to your followers and all these things sort of play out and and impact. And of course, there's a whole lot more yeah com- competition trying to you know compete and and, yeah. and take users away. No, it was it was interesting. I think from a tech perspective, just. Yeah, and I see, you know, Meta, all the all the folks that were serving up serving up content. I, I think, um, you know, you have to spend as much time. In fact, you know, we've gone from spending our time finding the information through to that's easy now. It's just drinking from the fire hose. The the time and effort now goes into vetting it for veracity and you know bias and all the other bits and pieces. And yeah, yeah. So so it was interesting. As interesting as elections get, was I thought it was one of the more Boring, certainly one of the more predictable elections, but again, for me, that that lack of um, spark, hope, aspiration, what might be, um, I I thought was a key, key component that was missing. Mm. We chatted a little bit last week around you know, some of the you know, platforms for enabling individuals to engage more in the in the you know, parliamentary and, and democratic processes and uh, and so on and yeah I'm really I'm really curious to see what will evolve over the over the next few years ahead and and how democracy evolves because yeah, yeah I think there's 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 certainly uh, you know some fairly strong feelings around uh, you know, challenges with with democracy and and in, in its current form. That said, I haven't seen any great uh, any great great solutions. And uh, yeah, we've we've kind of got this interest in this push to maybe you know longer election cycles. Uh, yeah. And and so yeah, do you do you open up more in the way of referendums and 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 ways of 
uh, people to f- be able to f- sort of feed back into the, yeah. the uh, you know governmental sort of you know processes and and uh, you know considerations as as new legislation is is coming and going. It's interesting. I mean, this is something I've done a lot of thinking about and I've done a lot of talking about, and it's a challenge, right? I I, I think democracy is is more tenuous or more endangered now than it's ever been uh, for a very very long time. You know, around the world. I think it's very easy to draw a line between that um, and platforms such as Meta, you know, with uh, Cambridge Analytica scandal and, and what happened, in, you know, with Brexit, which was just, a you know, another train wreck um, and a well-engineered train wreck. You know, you look what happened with Trump being elected in the States. So I think democracy is in danger. I run hot and cold on the idea of running things by referendums. That's making the assumption that everyone has half a clue about what they're talking about, thinking about or voting for. Uh, and that they aren't super influenced by the last thing they saw on the last social media platform that they were on. So I don't know what the answer is. Um, there's a lot of questions, um, and I think it's something we should be rightfully worried about. I, um, you know, I, I, when you see some of the stories coming out literally 24, 48 hours after the election about uh, the the com, PR comms company that was behind um, national social media stuff, also the folks that were working for the Tories in the UK, I'm not sure I'm a million percent enthused about that, you should look up our guest that we had last week. <laughs> oh, is that right? Okay. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, and and, and US billionaires gifting um, free aircraft f- for use by some folks fly around the country. Some mm. of that stuff worries me. N- nobody loans aircraft to people just because they think they're nice folks, right? You know, there's always a, there's a give for the get or a get for the give. So I think, you know, um, around the world, I think governments are thinking about how, mm. h- how do you still, how do you maintain that tricky balance in between you can't lock these things down or out um, but by the same measure, if you give them free reign, and, and I think Brexit's an excellent example of that where, where no one really knew what was going on. A whole bunch of very, very smart people behind the scenes knew exactly what was going on and looked how that look how that turned out. Now when they survey in the UK, most people would like to go back to where they were before they got shafted mm. um, with Brexit. Mm. Mm. Um, so yeah, we need to do something. I don't know what it is. I think we should all be fearful. Um, and I think it's one of those things that across, across the house, I, I think it's a a bipartisan, tripartisan, whatever comes after that partisan thing that all of the parties have to work on around how we shore up our democracy and make sure that it stays one. Mm. And I would I would lay a lot of the issues that we have with democracy around the role that technology's played, the, the, the sides where we haven't really uh, managed to tame technology appropriately. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things is that you know we're so used to getting things in very very small bite-sized chunks and often there isn't the clarity you know behind the scenes behind the headlines and uh, I saw someone commenting on uh, on social media uh, over the weekend around the voice vote in Australia and was saying that Australians should hang their head in shame but on the on the flip side I don't think there was actual clarity as to exactly what people were voting for, what the long-term implications would be. Yeah. And so, you know, a little bit like Brexit, there's, you know, something's put out, it's a concept, yep, that seems good or that seems bad. Um, but actually understanding what the, you know, what that actually means for for everyone. If, challenge, if, right? if that isn't yeah. if that isn't in place, uh, then it makes it very sort of hit or hit or miss for for people, and and to a degree that's just that's a you know a, a, the nature of democracy that you you know you choose a particular direction and then you know you have to sit back and trust and wait and and, and hope things 
kind of you know go in a particular way but you know of of course there is that opportunity to provide more information up front and and you know technology should help that rather than That's, hinder it but so then we exactly. usually go back to those small little headlines and and social media bits and pieces and 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 the like rather than uh, delving into the full picture yeah look I mean the theory is that technology should be able to help so much but the practicality is that I think it's actually done the opposite in so many ways and really where we're moving to is I, and I think here in New Zealand I don't think it's unfair to say that we're heading in a similar direction it certainly is the United States definitely the UK where money talks and reach is important right so so the media companies have an incredible sway and they always have but but I think even more so now uh, media companies including the likes of X etc uh, and and also you know you look what happened in the United States with Citizens United which was um, the piece of legislation that Bill Clinton signed in which basically gave corporations carte blanche to, to donate money to politicians and didn't that work out well um, <laughs> and, and I think at some point I just I, I can't help but feel we're going to need to do something that shuts all of that out you know and absolutely business should have a voice um, as as should the you know the smallest of minorities um, but if we're moving towards a world where the more money you have the more sway voice you have and, and reach you have I, I think that's a really slippery slope, and it's a pretty hard one to crawl back up. Right? Look at look at the US. It's a yes. Yeah, we, we've now. we've got to find ways to uh, ways to balance that, and yep. uh, you know, it did, it did uh, seem seem as though we were heading uh, in a in a direction there where these things were being reined in. I haven't kind of delved into <laughs> to all the realities of of how it played out. You know, in this this election, um, the last week we've seen um, Sam Bankman Fried uh, trial. <laughs> Good FTX, <laughs> all sorts of craziness going on there. Yep. Um, but you know, the bit that sort of stood out to me through the 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 things that I've been you know monitoring on on that you know over I guess over a period of you know just this week uh, has been the amount of money that he has you know slipped in different directions He's using a criminal. Uh, all <laughs> sorts of dodgy you know absolutely. Means. He's going to spend so much time in jail. Good riddance. I'd be I'd be surprised <laughs> if he sees the the light of day. Um, and, and, while, and his family. I mean, the, the whole know. thing was just dodgy from the get go, and it's just incredible how much you can get away with when you. Um, he's clearly an incredibly smart guy, right? Without mm. a doubt, mm. and some very smart people around him. Um, but you you wrap, pardon my French, a layer of bullshit around something um, and sell it to folks who don't understand. And and he figured out how to do that, and he did an incredible job of it. And then when you start to see the way they were shuffling literally billions of dollars around to, to things and without any sort of governance at all, they weren't sure where the money was and it was just absolutely unbelievable but entirely predictable. Should have been a politician maybe. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah that's right. Just, <laughs> shock, shock, I shouldn't, I shouldn't joke story. like that. But uh, um, I'm sure there's probably someone in the Tory party in the UK <laughs> on the phone to him. It's like, you know, I think Boris is gone and, you know, would you consider? You can, you can work from behind bars. No, I think the, the the good thing around you know around our elected officials is you know usually they were they're there with a good intent. Yes, they come in with different sort of viewpoints and and approaches to how they you know how they might make the country better. But um, and I you know I would say you know especially in a, in a country you know like like New Zealand, um, you know we don't tend to have a lot of corruption oh. and and hopefully we can uh, we can stay on the right side well, of that. We're it seems a very non-corrupt country, right? And you know that all the measures show that. And people use the word throw the word around, but the reality is we're not a particularly corrupt com- com- country. I have over the last six or eight years, or even in my time at Microsoft, so let's say over the last twenty years, 
had the privilege of meeting a lot of people in political circles and a lot of people in the public sector. And I can honestly say, hand on heart, with one glaring exception, every single one of them that I've met gets out of bed in the morning to do the right thing. People mm. of different mm. political persuasions to mine and my political persuasions changed over time. People have got different viewpoints around different things. I mean, I've, I've had some pretty good, robust conversations with folks in the public sector around how to do things or how not to do things. But all of them are trying to do their best work in, in systems that are just so big and complex and often archaic and lumbering. You know, that's the mm. It, mm. systemically. So literally, out of all the folks I've met, and it would be hundreds and hundreds of them, there's one that, that I would call out as just being a deliberate, he does the exact opposite, no names, and a, and a politician. Mm. Um, but everyone else, man, everyone's trying to do the right thing, but, but systemically there's so much holding them back, right? Mm. It's hard mm. trying to push it uphill with a fork. <laughs> um, lots more we could delve into on that. We will, we will we'll save that for another time. Um, <laughs> probably the, you know, the last little, little bit I, you know, I would like to see is, is probably, yeah, just there, there being better engagement between between government and uh, and the you know broader broader population on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I think there there are opportunities to you know the intent to, definitely to, there. to improve I, there. You know, absolutely, yeah. 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 Now so I spoke mentioned very briefly last week. Yeah, the situation with Israel and and Hamas. We're now seeing as tends to happen. You know after. Any sort of unrest, but with with the you know terrorist activities that have taken place, and and now the 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 war that's kicked off, the warnings around cyber incidents and and this sort of stirring yeah. things up, and uh, yeah, I think you know we generally need need to be wise from from a cybersecurity perspective, you know, always and and recognise that. Uh, Look, there there could be there could be new new things on that front from a, a cyber uh, security perspective. I mean, this is a pretty common standard cycle now, right? Whenever there's yeah. any large amounts of friction or something happening somewhere in the world, the whole thing steps up. Um, and it was interesting. I happened to just before I jumped on the Uber to come here, I saw a story on um, Slashdot where the U.S. government apparently is trying to rally support from other governments around the world to stop paying cyber criminals ransoms. Which I think is quite interesting, right? I mean, that, mm. the, this is—it's just a money-generating mm. scheme mm. at the bottom mm. of it. You know, mm. it's all mm. chasing dollars. Yeah, and yeah, I think it's been interesting watching over the last few years the likes of, particularly the U.S. government, but some of the others as well, and some of the larger vendors, and particularly Microsoft, doing an amazing job of shutting some of these things down. Yeah. Um, so I think the pressure will just come on more and more. But you know, it's one of those whack-a-mole things. You whack the hammer here and something else pops up over here. Yep, um, yep. If nothing else with the cyber criminals, you do have to admire their ingenuity and innovation, right? They're pretty they're pretty good at it. They don't uh, they don't stop, they keep they keep at it. Um <laughs> and and look, they they only need to get it, you know, Correct. get it right. Defenders you know, dilemma, once, right? They once in a, one once, once, once right. in a blue moon That's and right. uh, and it works out yep. uh for them. So yeah, I guess we yeah, we want to be on the lookout for uh, for what those 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 new uh, scenarios might yep. be, and uh, yeah, I think there's there's probably all all manner of uh, you know potential scenarios. So yeah, what I want to know is who's behind those calls that you get from Pakistan, where you go hello and there's no one there and they hang up. It's like, are they recording my voice? Are they going to clone my voice? Or do I have a friend in Pakistan I don't know about? And you know, I don't know if you get them. I have, get quite a few of them. Pakistan, a number of 
countries I really don't know any people in. Yeah, yeah. Phone goes, pick it up, answer, hello. And so I don't answer now. I just wait and then they hang up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been hearing more and more about that. I haven't been getting them my, myself. I'll um, forward them to as, you. Is <laughs> there a particular – are you seeing a particular pattern to them? I've been hearing about people getting things at a particular uh, time of day. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. So time of day sometimes in the evening. Um, I've had a few of them overnight, um, you know, like 2, 3 in the morning. Uh. Um, and I, I don't That's know, over the last awful. 12 months, probably at 20 or 30 of them. Wow. Easy. Okay. And and they're all the same. You pick mm. the phone up. Mm. Um, mm. As I said, I've learned to not say a word now. But, um, you know, and one second, two seconds after you speak, they just hang up. So, mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's been a bit of coverage around uh, police using new, uh, using new AI tool, Search X, to help police get a bit of a feel for offenders uh, networks and, and, and connections and, and varying other uh, things. I, I have some concerns around how we use you know, technology when it comes to government and, and, and policing where there's this sort of level of, of surveillance. And I, and I don't know how you work out what are the right lines to draw, yeah. but you, know, you walk out on the, you know, I went, wandered out to grab some lunch uh, earlier and, you know, the, 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 number, the number of cameras sort of sitting sitting around, you know, the, the ability to, uh, you know, I guess, you know, connect up the dots, very, very helpful, uh, you know, from a, from a crime-fighting yeah. perspective. But, yeah, how, how, far do we, how far do we go before everyone's, everyone's kind of a suspect? And, and, you know, how do you create a world that, that uh, you know, feels... Feels free, and we, you know, you're not you're not being <laughs> measured with some sort of a you know a, a, a number <laughs> floating above your head, Brett, uh, as as we've seen in in, yep. in, in TV programs, right? Is um, yeah, there's got to be some some balance to this. So many trade-offs, and right? we, I think, we need more discussion on it. Uh, there's energy that needs to go into building legislation, so there's there's clarity and guardrails for police for uh, you know varying entities of you know of course yes we've got some some privacy legislation in, yeah. in New Zealand that's that's you know reasonably modern but uh, yeah I'm not sure we've we've fully got a head around this one and I'm not sure we either will to be no, fair I, but no. but we 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 can't just ignore it either no, so you've got to have guardrails right I mean that 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 RNZ article is well worth a read because it's got a ton of links to all sorts of other stories and it's a really well put together article but. This all kicked off with Clearview AI, I can't remember, three, four, five years ago, you know, which is an inherently evil company, um, doing amazing stuff for law enforcement agencies but but compromising privacy um, you know, in the process of doing so. Um, and Peter Thiel's invested in it, so obviously it's evil. And um, and the New Zealand police were toying around with that um, without any guide rails, right? In fact, mm, even the mm, police commissioner mm. wasn't aware of it. Yeah. So that sort of thing worries me, and I'd like to think that since then – a lot of things have been done internally within Police HQ to to make sure that sort of thing doesn't happen again. And I think, you know, we've got a pretty, in fact, a very good world class privacy commission here. Mm. Um, that, you know, I'm, I'm assuming now because they weren't with the Clearview AI example, looped into all of these conversations. You know, that should be literally a red phone on someone's desk that they pick up and talk to those folks. And and you know, the the challenge is that and again another whack-a-mole situation, you know, once you sort of sort something out and work out the guide rails for it, some other new technology comes along, you know, and the the challenge now is with machine vision and so many devices, cameras to to gather imagery. Mm. 
Mm. Um, you know, the next thing obviously is um, it's not going to be that hard to, to um, bolt on a lip reading thing into yep. into digital um, camera tech. Um, you know, if you can recognise a number plate, you know, that once upon a time was horribly expensive computing stuff that would be done in the cloud and that's done in the camera. Mm. So, you know, we're going to be playing whack-a-mole with all of these things forever and, and I think the, the challenge as always is the technology races ahead at a speed far greater than that uh, than that that which legislation can keep up with it right um, it's hard to figure out legislation it's it's a complex field there's all sorts of you know legality things in it that make it slow to to figure out and you know making legislation is, is hard and you know all it takes is one bad actor in the tech world to, to release something and all of a sudden, you know, all that legislation you just spent years pondering over, now you need to do it again for something else because someone's figured out some new thing to do. So I think the guide rails are important. I think bringing agencies together is important. Um, and this will just this will be perennial. This will just run forever. It, this isn't ever going to go away. We're never going to solve it. We've got to figure out ways of not letting it run unchecked, I think is the challenge. Yeah, and I think there's an opportunity for applying a, a sort of more – you say continuous improvement approach to, to legislation, but ev- even that, you know, I think about it and I say it, and then in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but how could that get how did, how could that get abused and used in the yeah. in the wrong direction? Um, you know, we, we we look back on the the Grace uh, Mullane um, situation, yeah. you know, incredibly sad scenario. But I remember when it did hit the media, that like all the footage and so on that they joined up. Made it very easy for exactly. them to to actually get, um, you know, what I think most would argue, you know, was the right outcome when it when it came to when it came to trial. Yeah. But there's there's a there's a flip side Oops. to 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 this whole thing, yeah. and um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure if if we've uh, yeah if we're if we're in the right place at the moment. So <laughs> uh, there, um, there was an interesting case in the US. I think it was last year where a, a woman who works for a law firm. Um, was taking her daughter to an event at Radio City Musical, and the law firm was involved in a lawsuit um, against the owners of Radio City Musical. Uh, and this woman—I don't know if she's a lawyer, but she worked for a law firm—her image was picked up by a closed-circuit TV camera. They used facial recognition. They knew who she was. They knew who she worked for, and they barred her and her daughter entry to the venue. Now, of course, any venue reserves and holds the right to bar anyone that they want for any reason from their venue, right? So everything they did was perfectly legal. But what an interesting situation, right? Do you want to have everyone's face, do you want your face to be scanned at all things, you know, and you might say, I don't know, something about an organisation one day and they happen to be the sponsor of an arena somewhere and all of a sudden you don't get let into a concert. Right? So so that these are the challenges. There's almost these high-level kind of ethical dilemmas that we have to work our way through you know it's that classic thing in tech just because you can doesn't mean you should you know it's almost the the guiding principle of tech certainly for the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Elon Musks of this world and and I think those are some of the things we've, we've got to um, grapple with and of course the other challenge is the number of folks currently thinking about this across five million people in New Zealand is 20 or 50 or 100 or a thousand it's a tiny tiny percentage of a tiny percentage of the population most people don't know the stuff's happening. Don't mm, understand mm, how it impacts mm. their lives, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the ability for us to apply resources in New Zealand versus what happens, yeah, in, correct. In, it just comes in, from offshore in, in other markets, and exactly right. You know, do you just sign up to what you know 
someone overseas is doing, well, no, not necessarily either, yep. right? So yep. not, not not so easy. Now we see with you know with what's been happening in in Israel and um, so on that there's been social media drama alongside it, as is as is always the as case. Always so the case. Yeah. Uh, you know pushbacks from from uh, I saw that the, probably the initial coverage was the EU uh, was warning uh, TikTok. Uh, to uh, you know, to to rein in uh, some of the content, but we you know we were seeing this really across probably all social networks where uh, we're, we're getting you know pushes. I think yeah, particularly from the, it was EU, EU that moved moved very very quickly. But you know, uh, the challenge with with social media is it, it's it's like trying to challenge the. I don't know the discussions that take place in a bar or people over lunch and you know, any other sort of scenario. There's going to be, you know, all manner of opinions and and things um, shared, and uh, you know, some of it's going to be complete and utter rubbish. Some yep. of it's going to be very manipulative and and you know, as as designed to draw people down a particular track. Other is just sort of you know straight up. Facts and, yep. and 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 figures, but uh, usually, like uh, uh, you know, typical uh, chit chats on controversial subjects, it's it's not going to be you know particularly close to being a hundred percent accurate. No, I mean, uh, look, it's that I'm going to use the word perennial twice in a, in a podcast. Problem of the balance between free speech and and you know that um, you're not allowed to yell fire in a crowded theatre thing, right? And it's you know, I, I've seen tons of stuff, particularly on X slash Twitter over the last few days since all that terrible stuff kicked off in Gaza, you know, that I'm initially horrified by and, and revolted by and then within hours it turns out actually it was factually incorrect. It got tweeted around the world by thousands of people and it, and it actually wasn't true, you know. And so I, I, I said earlier and I, I'm seeing... I'm placing less and less credence in a lot of those sources now. Once upon a time, um, you know, Twitter was fantastic for that news feed, for being right at the sharp pointy end, you know, getting stuff early. You know, it was, um, I mean, TVNZ and, and most of New Zealand's print media would be out of business if it wasn't for Twitter and Reddit, right? They were, you know, yeah, right that, at that's, where, that's where they get the, that, that's get, where they get get, the news get from. The latest from, right? That's right. And, uh, um, and then they, whereas they now there's just it. so much deliberate misinformation or accidentally amplified deliberate mm. misinformation mm. And, mm. and I think the the value of those platforms is just going backwards I, I see less value in them personally and I've like I've been on Twitter for literally the year it started I think you know I used to live on it it was fantastic and now it's like eh, you know I'm on blue sky um, blue sky feels like Twitter did less idiots but you know it's interesting that you know, a lot of things get better over time, and these things I think are actually um, yeah. getting worse as you get more people and more spam, yeah. and you yeah, know, and, more, and just more, more manipulation, manipulation yeah. more money yeah. getting thrown yeah. at them, um, more yeah. bad actors. Mm. You know, less. You know, I mean, look what Elon Musk has trashed X, right? And and um, for whatever purpose, I'm not sure. Maybe he's just not very smart. But what a shame! You know, something that was an incredible asset, you know, genuine asset, global asset. It's just turned into this, I think, dumpster fire, fires and well, salt I do, and dumpster I do, fires. But. I'll push back a little bit on that because yep. I think the community notes um, capability that allows, and I, you know, I haven't sort of delved into you know exactly how it sort of operates behind the scenes, but um, I guess it's it's a little bit kind of Wikipedia 
like and that there's you know there's some stuff that uh, you know allows um, you know you to bring bring clarity to to a controversial situation which maybe on other platforms uh, you know we haven't we haven't got that sort of level now of course the community notes which you know you see something that's BS basically allows yep. people to say hey this isn't yep. this isn't true or it's, yep. or it's not quite factually true yep. you know here's the here's the you know here's the balance to uh, to 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 give you the full picture or actually you know that photo is not what you think it is it was taken you know yeah. 15 years ago and now it's being you know said that it's xyz happening and 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 so on um, I, I think you know that is, is actually, that's a really kind of that's a really standout yep. uh, capability. So I think that's a great feature, and they're even applying it to adverts, which I thought yep. like that is really good because, I mean, to one degree you would think well adverts just need to be purely factually correct yep. and and sound and and solid, but um, yeah, I often see ads and there's a little community note under it going oh. Yep, this ad is for XYZ game, but that, the, uh, that's the, the classic, right? Yeah, yeah. But the gameplay doesn't look anything like this. Don't yeah. be sucked in; it's a bait and switch. I've, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I would agree and disagree, right? So I think that is a good feature, but but literally the owner of the platform tweets right wing memes that people put community notes underneath. It doesn't stop anything. It's just if you want to read a bit more, there's a bit more context, and I'm not sure that's addressing the problem. It's just tagging another little note on the end of the problem. You know, and, and I mean, they fired all of their um, safety, online safety folks, right? They got rid of the entire team. Um, I feel incredibly sorry for their CEO. I mean, what a horrible job that would be right now. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I, I don't know. My, my personal, the way I've experienced X slash Twitter mm. is that over the last, and, and definitely since Musk's, um, Musk bought it um, with Saudi money, um, it's gone downhill. It's of less use to me than it used to be. Uh, the information is less accurate, less dependable. Uh, there are more, and, and I curate my feed very, very carefully. Yeah, yeah. There's more randos in there jumping into that because Musk took away some features that kept those people out. You know, blocking works sometimes and doesn't work other times. And, and it's a real shame because I think mm. they'd, they'd created the town square for better or for worse. Who was the guy that founded it? Jack, 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 Jack. Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey. You know, who was a pretty rubbish CEO, but he built something pretty amazing. Mm, um, mm, mm, and and now we're seeing that go backwards, which I think is a real shame. But but again, as I said, Blue Sky is pretty cool, and who knows? You know, at least mm. there's some competition in that space. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I reckon I could take a company like X and run it into the ground far better than Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of other things we wanted to chat through. Um, Microsoft. Uh, yeah. One of one of their maneuvers has left them with a uh, twenty nine billion dollar tax bill, yeah, U- US dollars. So uh, <laughs> you know, in, in New Zealand terms, that'll be close to uh, fifty billion dollars. So uh, off the back of the largest uh, audit in US history, the uh, Inland Revenue Service uh, they rejected Microsoft's uh, attempts to uh, channel profits via a small factory in uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh, that was, um, you know, putting Windows onto, uh, to, yeah, uh, I yeah, guess, for, CDs, for new, DVD, new PCs. D- DVDs right. and so on. And when we when we were chatting be- b- before we started, you know, you were walking through from your, your time with, uh, um, you know, with Microsoft and, you know, visibility on other large uh, multinational organisations. You know, they would usually have mechanisms that were, that were set up to, 
legally make sure that they weren't paying too much tax in, in, in one direction or another. Correct. But in this case, it looks slow. Whatever Microsoft uh, we're doing here has certainly upset the, the IRS and uh, <laughs> they they feel as though Microsoft has, uh, has crossed a line. And I find these sorts of things fascinating because we, you know, we look at in, individuals that they may be doing something that that is that is questionable, and in fact, it's, it's Kim dot com came up in a conversation with someone in the oh, in, in the last from the past in the, in the last few days, um, and because of some of the some of the content he had been uh, com- commenting on, on online, his name came up, and yeah, very very smart individual, and from you know as far as he was concerned. He probably would have felt like Microsoft have felt like what he was doing business wise was entirely legitimate, yeah. but uh, you know it was. I'm sure he knew Pushing it was close, the close to the close to the, yeah. the the wire, and there were lawyers involved yeah. and so on. And you know, there's an element where these big multinationals actually do, you know, um, something some somewhat similar, and they're you know they're they're looking to uh, to maximize. Yeah. Uh, their opportunities, and uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes they they get it wrong. Whether it's their lawyers advise them wrongly, or they misinterpret it. I I don't know how these things come about exactly. It's, it's obviously, um, you know, here we're talking about on a on a on an insane sort of scale yeah. for for most New, New Zealanders to get their head around. But um, yeah, they they um, ha- had sold. Uh, their intellectual property to this 85-person um, factory uh, that they owned in a small uh, Puerto Rican city, after having um, you know a favourable tax deal with uh, with with Puerto Rico, and then uh, you know channeled their profits uh, through that facility that was you know basically making the uh, uh, Windows and media. Office yep. uh, media. At, at that time, and um, um, yeah, it, it, it says um, some of the Microsoft execs at the time celebrated uh, this pure tax play, and it was uh, you know they felt that it was uh, uh, very good. But you know, this sort of aligns with discussions we, we've we've had over the years around yeah how do you how do you ensure you know um, you know especially multinational entities are taxed appropriately. And it's very hard to get these things right because you can you can just move things around and make uh, make changes. But yeah. in this case, they've uh, they've got caught out, and uh, it's all about it's it's, yeah. it's all about um, size of the beast, right? You know, if you do do the thing in reverse, think about Kim.com. Um, very brave move by Kim.com in in the um, meta folks um, to give the finger to the largest media organisations in the world. You know, if you think about the likes of Dis- Disney, is a law firm that runs theme parks. I think that's a Scott Galloway quote. That that is exactly right. These, you know, the reason these people are in business, their business is media, intellectual property, and they will protect that with their lives, right? Mm-hmm. And and so to run a site where allegedly um, those files were being shared was a very brave move. That was probably never going to end well. And and guess what? It didn't. And at some point, you'll probably be wearing an orange jumpsuit, right? Um, then you think about the Microsoft thing, and, and my understanding of this, and I saw this pretty close up when, when I worked for Microsoft NZ, it's actually quite a simple mechanism. Basically what they do is they separate, they separate the, the value, the intellectual property part of the product from the physical product. So there'll be a manufacturing the CD, costs a dollar, 
there'll be a certificate of authenticity or some documentation, something goes with it, you know, it's $2. Um, and whenever that gets, let's say, installed on a new PC, the PC manufacturer will pay this company in Puerto Rico, I don't know, 70 or 80 bucks or whatever for a Windows license. Let's say it's a Windows license. Um, and and the local subsidiary, let's say it's the United States where, you know, it was that machine had that installed on it, um, they'll the local Microsoft subsidiary will book two dollars worth of revenue for the for the C D or two dollars fifty if they mark it up or whatever it is. Uh, but the seventy dollars or eighty dollars US um, gets attributed to this company in, in Puerto Rico. Um, which at the time was all perfectly legitimate, you know, and, and again, one of the things I'd really stress, having seen this fairly close up, Microsoft's legal stuff, whilst you might not agree with it, they, they went to the ends of the earth to ensure they adhered to local law. And, and that's hard when you're operating multinationally out of a US headquartered company and Sarbanes-Oxley applies even if you're you know, in the branch office in Afghanistan or something. Um, it's very, very tricky, but I, you know, they were so um, s- such sticklers for adhering to the law. I think what's happened here is that um, the IRS have gone from viewing this as a um, as a um, tax avoidance mechanism because avoidance is legal; it's evasion that's illegal. Um, to seeing it as an egregious um, one finger salute to the IRS, right? And and I think someone somewhere's got very angry about that and rethought the whole the whole thing, right? Because I think the premise of this is that it was from the get go designed to avoid paying tax. So. I'm sure they'll reach some sort of settlement. I'll eat my hat if Microsoft winds up paying $29 billion. I'll eat my hat if they wind up paying nothing. So somewhere in the middle of there is yeah. is what they're going to yeah. wind up paying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think you're going to see more of this stuff in a world where, you know, every country around the planet's you know, needs to spend more on education, infrastructure, healthcare, and all those other things. Where's that money going to come from? Taxation. Um, the large corporations getting away with shuffling dollars all around the place to make them hard for governments to get their hands on for tax. I, I I have a sense that that's probably coming to an end, right? It won't, won't happen overnight, but I think it will happen. Right? And there'll be a role here for uh, uh, shrinking the base of uh, of lawyers, I would imagine, within <laughs> some of these firms as AI kind of come, I don't know. Come, might, comes might into play. But, uh, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting it, situation. It could, could go the other way. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think yeah. this will get blasted, shouted from the rooftops because I think it's mm. sending a very clear mm. signal, right? This is yeah. a... Yeah, you don't want to be the first, but they won't be the last. Now, also on the legal front, um, yeah, we've heard about Google offering a, a level of copyright indemnity um, to those that are that are using their generative artificial in, yeah. intelligence uh, services. And yeah, we, we, we're in a yeah, I guess a very interesting time where yeah, some of the legal considerations aren't very clear. They yeah. will vary from. From country to country, uh, and AI is often, uh, well, often might be the wrong word. Uh, generally, generally speaking, when we're looking at generative AI, uh, it's drawing on everybody else's yeah, uh, intellectual property, right? So, um, yeah, maybe maybe they're, they're building in some um, some some specific capabilities so that they don't overstep the mark. Uh, that said, uh, I've I've seen you know a friend over the last probably you know, nine to twelve months uh, who who writes for a, a big uh, yeah, a tech uh, outlet in in the US uh, 
on multiple occasions sort of, you know, sharing content that he's, you know, used, say, you know, Google AI or, or, or another AI tool to ask and answer, and it's basically pulled through content from him or his, his publication yep. and then and then shown it off as though Google have, have produced it themselves yep. and so on. So in some ways it's kind of ironic that you've got Google here going, oh no, you know we'll, we'll take we'll take care of the, the legal side if anyone comes after you. Yeah. Um, yet I'm not sure if Google have actually got their own house in order. So let me explain uh, when to you it comes what's to generative here. AI. Let me explain to you what's happening here, right? So every company on the planet has has figured out that there are a lot of legal fish hooks in this, right? Mm. Those large mm. language models are someone else's data. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and so at some point that's going to that's going to be a challenge. The the thing that the Googles and Microsofts will do the same. Adobe's already done it with their products. Um, what what they're offering is indemnity, right? And the way they do that is um, they have bigger law firms than the law firms, and they have more money than anybody on the planet, right? So you'd be you know you're a, speaking about your friend, right? They can absolutely go and sue Google. That would be fascinating watching that from the sidelines. It would take years. It would cost them millions. They can't afford to do it, so they won't. Right. So it's it's basically the David versus Goliath thing, right? And and you know the tech companies are the Goliaths, um, and it doesn't take people too long to work out that they're the Davids, and so they just won't do it. Um, you know, having said that, Adobe um, was shouting from the rooftops just in the last few months that they hadn't used anyone's um, imagery other than their own to train their you know generative AI art stuff. Uh, and I saw someone on um, Twitter X the other day talking about the fact that they'd found some of their own images, like literally in there, you know. So, so I don't know whether that's a lie or someone slipped up somewhere. Um, so, so this is going to go on for quite a while, right? Mm. There's, I tell you, um, a really interesting conversation on the Pivot podcast um, last week or the week before, Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway, where Scott had the idea of the media companies should get, to, if I think I've got this right, should get together join forces and go to one of the companies, Microsoft or, or Google or whoever it is, and go, we will license our stuff to you, right? It will it will be worth billions, tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars over time, but our stuff is your stuff. Everyone else will join forces and will go after them, right? So it becomes a, it becomes a um, you know, a, a war of attrition mm, effectively, mm, mm. Um, whereas and let's say it's a Microsoft that goes, oh, yeah, we'll sign up for that. All of a sudden, they, they can take all of the other tools or the vendors of the other tools to court, yep. right? Because the data is theirs, and and uh, I would not, you know, um, it's an arms race, and, and and I would not be surprised to see something along those lines because it's a way of monetizing something that's being effectively um, taken or borrowed, stolen would be a hard word. I wouldn't want to use that, uh, even though it is. Um, <laughs> the, the opportunity is huge. It's not difficult, and it really all it needs is the first vendor, tech vendor, to blink, right? And then all the others are on notice. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that'll come. I'd yeah. be very surprised. Yeah. You imagine Disney, all of those folks, content creators, it'll be huge. Yeah. And talking of these big firms, Microsoft have uh, finally managed to pull off their uh, their takeover of Activision yeah. uh, Blizzard, uh, over a hundred billion. Uh, if you were to put that in uh, the biggest uh, New Zealand acquisition, currency. I think, isn't it? I think it's the biggest yeah. acquisition they've ever done. Even bigger than Nokia. We won't talk about Nokia. <laughs> but yeah, what an incredible... I mean, that, you know, that's tenacity, right? That's been dragging out for a couple of years. Long time. Long, yeah. long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and I can only imagine what's going on behind the scenes of something like that. But yeah, man, $69 billion, that's a very big deal. Um, now, something we, we were going to talk about previous week, but we, we ran out of ran out of time. Um, this this move towards digital passports. Uh, and so we've got uh, the Singapore who have announced that they are going I think passport free is probably the wrong terminology, although that was that was one of the one of the headlines used used that 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 term because realistically, if you're travelling from Singapore to somewhere else, you're going to need your passport to get into that other yeah. country. Yeah. Uh, certainly, certainly in the in the in the passport term. optional. Maybe that's that. Um, so yeah, so we, we you know we are moving into into uh, you know really a new phase as as we see this start to happen. Um, you know, in in you know more than more than just one country, uh, and yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see uh, how it plays out. I think uh, Finnish border guard they've been uh, trialling what they call digital traveller uh, credentials at uh, at Helsinki Airport, um, and there's been some form of of uh, digital passport option. In the US, I remember from sort of seeing signage there, but I haven't uh, haven't oh yeah that's haven't the delved queue, into that for, thing, for, right? for, yep. for quite a while in terms of actually you know actually how far that goes and yep. and 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 what that does. Of course, we've had um, you know e visas and you know varying yep. other kind of you know mechanisms the, the sort of digital information on our passports. So you know if you had an appropriate sort of passport going into the into the uh, US that would sort of speed things along, yep. um, but we we definitely have some some changing times ahead in these regards. Um, yeah, I'm 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 very curious how quickly these things move, and then you know what does the picture look like? You know, do we get to a point where you only have the option of a digital passport in, in a few years? I mean, here in New Zealand, um, you know, we don't we don't have say digital drivers' licenses or digital you know passports at all. But these are moves that have definitely been you know afoot in in varying places, yep. and and I think there are there are yeah always good reasons to go digital, but there are often some some counters and some downsides to doing it. Uh, you know, some of that is sort of digital divide stuff, and you know, people that aren't so uh, you know, au with technology or not so keen on technology, um, and then you know, there's probably some elements there on on um, you know, privacy and so on. And the more you kind of digitise these things and start collecting big databases of of uh, of information, there can be some downsides to that. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, it, it it does often seem odd that. Uh, uh, yeah, that we hear these different stories ar- ar- around, you know, whether it's criminals or what have you, and yeah, people that have been doing certain things, and uh, yeah, it seems like the police, the different government entities, have no idea whether the person's in New Zealand or outside yeah. of New Zealand um, because they don't. Uh, it's like mm, you kind of think you would know something basic like that, whether someone's, you know, got across the border in one direction yeah. uh, or or another, and not that these things necessarily need you to be. Uh, you know, holding holding digital passports, but you know there is this obviously general digitization uh, trajectory that 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 we're on. Yeah, look, it's it's interesting. The the article that you've linked to um, is interesting because it talks 
talks about what Singapore is doing and then at the end of the article talks about what they've done in Dubai, which doesn't sound any different than what we've done here. You know, and you've got to hand it to Morris Williamson, bless his cotton socks. He was the guy that introduced the um, kiosks here. God knows how long ago, a long time ago. And um, and we've kind of just gotten used to that, you know, and we're still going to countries where, you know, that stuff's super new, modern modern technology. I mean, it sounds like the Singaporean stuff's based on biometrics. Um and, and, and they talk all the wonderful talk about how there'll be systems and audits and checks and balances and data will be deleted and all that sort of thing, and that's great until it's not. Good luck with that. You know, that's right. <laughs> and, it's, and it'll either be, you know, I don't know, some, something get leaked, hacked or stolen or or some nefarious character somewhere will work out a way around it, you know, I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it. When I see it, that's been running for ten years. Well, that's some sort of major spectacular security, national, you know, security issue or something like that. Well, we've got used to sort of biometrics in in the US for you know for better or for worse. It's that that that's part of the mechanism. Although that is a little bit of a joke when it's you go over one thing, you got biometrics, and then yeah. you know you got another border. You can kind of you know you can get in kind of any time right. you want. They, yeah, it's all theatre. It's, in, uh, in it's kind of like security theatre. I don't I don't know how that country works at at all, uh, regardless of 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 uh, you know who the <laughs> I've never felt uh, this welcome. Who the president is there? Yeah, it's kind of right. just like oh, airport. what a mess. Yeah, um, I love that whole thing about him to explain your life story around how you'd like to come there for five days. To attend a conference, <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I yeah, yeah I, I can. Call, it's cool. I get why they're doing it. Mm. Makes makes sense. But I think you know some of the practicalities might might get interesting quickly. Mm. Who knows? Um, before we wrap up, if you've got a, a quick uh, minute, um, just you know, keen to hear about your um, your views of of Sasta, which was the big oh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know annual yep. software as a service. Uh, yep. Event, the big event in in the world that uh, you know that that takes place each year. You've you've just uh, you've just been um, to to that. Uh, was it early last month, early September? Early September, yeah, first week of um, September in in San Francisco um, Bay Area. Yeah, and just let yeah. me have a rave. Cool. Yeah. So um, Sasta is awesome. It's the second year in a row that I've uh, went. Um, very fortunate to go and and represent the QSS team. Um, we had about 30, 40 uh, Kiwis there, a bunch of them flew out of New Zealand and there was a number from Toronto and Austin and San Francisco that, that turned up as well. Um, it's a fantastic event. It's the worldwide event for, for the SAS sector. I think there's ten to 12,000 people uh, came along for it. It's held in a place called San Mateo, which is um, just outside of uh, San Francisco. Close to the um, airport, isn't it? Yeah, quite close to the airport. Um, the venue's great. It's kind of like, if you'd imagine, the Epsom Showgrounds in Auckland with large marquees and uh, some in- indoor space as well, uh, lots of different stages. The biggest challenge is working out what to go and what presentation to go and listen to because while you're sitting in one, there's two others that you would have loved to have been at as well. Um, and the thing that um, I came back and annoyed all of my KiwiSAS colleagues um, because I just went on and on and on about it was just the impact that AI is going to have in the SAS sector. Um for everything, everything from coming up with the idea for a business. In fact, there was a great presentation I, I went to that was run by one of the um, VPs from AWS, and he came up with this made-up idea of starting a veterinary practice for zoos. And so he used artificial intelligence to um, build his product backlog, what are the features that would be required, to research the regulatory environment around that uh, in, the, in the States, because if you hold enough sedative for an elephant you need to have special you know premises and facilities for doing so for example uh, so he he built 
built the product um, or, you know, the, the key features, the regulatory stuff. Uh, he used uh, a couple of AI tools to build websites. He used an AI tool to build to do some of the coding for him. Um, and so all of that was, and this is literally a 45-minute presentation. It's like, wow, you know, it's pretty mm, cool. And yeah. the presentation I went to not long after that was by a guy from Adobe who showed some of the stuff that they're doing with, you know, Photoshop and Firefly and some of their tools mm, and how mm. they're democratizing the creation of imagery, you know, and allowing plebs like me to provide some prompts to get some absolutely incredible artwork, whatever it might be, for whatever yeah. it might be, ad campaigns or websites or, or product or whatever, um, and then making massive changes to that, colorways and all sorts of other things mm. instantaneously, effectively. Mm. So putting tools in my hand to do things that I would always have had to use far yeah. more talented human for. So it just... Uh, and then there was the um, conversations around companies using AI for marketing. So there's a company that were talking about how they send out, I think, a million emails a month generated by AI, um, very personalised based on mm. how you're using their product, which parts of their product that you're using. Uh, and they showed a, a email message um, that someone had sent them saying, um, your automate AI automated emails are creepy but they're the best creepy emails I get. Um, <laughs> and in fact, this company has found their outbound marketing, AI-driven marketing, so successful that they're going to downsize their outbound sales team and increase the amount of stuff they're doing around AI. It's more effective, more cost-efficient than using humans to do it. Mm. So it just, the what I walked away from realizing or thinking, you know, all the kind of things going off in my head was um, the SaaS spaces always move quickly, you know, um, and, and has always been incredibly innovative, and I think that's about to go through an absolute step change. I, I think the number of companies' ideas being turned into SaaS companies and the speed at which they do that and the speed at which they can go to market because so many things, not all things, um, and a lot of it's about enhancing humans. It's not just about tech doing it all. But I can absolutely see we're heading into a future where, you know, you could have a couple of wines on a Friday, build something over the weekend, launch it on a Monday and, you know, have 10,000 users by the Friday – um, that's the world we're heading into. So it was mm. it was awe-inspiring. If you're a SaaS company in New Zealand and you truly aspire to to going global and, and, and doing it properly, it, you have to go to SaaS. It's a great event. Good advice. Thank you, Brett. You oh, that, uh, that's, that Rant over. Fan, fantastic. <laughs> and look, yeah, I've, I found it quite fascinating when you drill into particular areas, how many companies are executing very fast with delivering AI capabilities oh, Absolutely. And in, in some cases, they can be pretty weak, but there are some companies that are doing an exceptional yep. job of really integrating it into, uh, you know, into existing offerings um, or launching new offerings there, that are that are absolutely outstanding. There was a great example of that. There was a, a guy that got up and spoke, and he works for a, a law tech company. Oh, he, he founded a law tech company. They just exited for six hundred eighty-five US million. Um, they had built AI into their product. They're using ChatGPT a year ago, so not ten years ago. Mm. The, the, you know, a year and a day ago, their product didn't have AI in it. You know, so they're very early on in it. And he was talking about when they were out. He, he goes and talks. I think he was saying five customers a week, every single week. He's talking to five customers. And what they found was some of these more old school, traditional law firms, when they were talking to the partners, you know, um, really weren't that interested. And so what they did was they went and talked to some of the, um, you know, first, second-year lawyers just out of university in these firms who were using their tools to the nth degree and being so incredibly productive 
And when they went to the older folks and went, you have a look at this, bam, made a sale every time, mm. right? So, so the it was interesting. The uh, a I'm, I'm sure their $685 million exit was very influenced by the AI piece, um, and but the AI piece was helping them sell their tools to an audience. I mean, the people that signed the check weren't the first year lawyers um, to folks who could see the benefit clearly to their business from a productivity mm -hmm. um, and competitiveness perspective. Yeah. And it would open I think it's a going to be big to say, I think. Worms if we were to delve into how it impacts business models, but that, that's, a, that's a whole other part of the yeah, picture. Next week, so next we'll, week. we'll save that for another time. Um, thank you, Brett. Really, really good to catch Thanks, up. Man. It's always good. Uh, and some fascinating insights, as always. Uh, of course, a big thank you to our show partners, uh, to Gorilla Technology, HP, Spark, Two Degrees, and One NZ. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll look forward to catching everyone again next week. And of course, if you've been listening to the audio podcast, uh, make sure you are following us on those uh, video uh, platforms. Uh, we're across uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, X, and LinkedIn. If you want to get the, the live streams, then uh, just follow myself, Paul Spain, on LinkedIn. Been great having, uh, having you, Brett, and uh, you. We'll, we'll look forward to catching everyone again next week. All Thanks, right. Man. See ya. Thank you. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.